0: What's up, music lovers and those unfortunate enough to stumble across this podcast? Um, I'm your host, Juliana, and today I'll be preaching you all about the exciting world of Western classical music, beginning from ancient civilization all the way up until the Jazz Age. Alright, so obviously this is a pretty hefty chunk of time, so I won't be able to cover every little detail, but I'll try my best to hit all the big milestones. Um, Also, I apologize in advance for the mispronunciation of any or all of the words I say. (laughs) I don't get paid enough for this. Alright, so, let's get right into it. Um, where and when did music all begin, you ask? Um, well, since all people of the world, including the most isolated tribal groups, have a form of music, it may be fair to say that music is likely to have been present in the, uh, ancestral population prior to the dispersion of humans around the world. The main argument that supports this theory is one that claims music stems from language and interaction, and thus music started once our Asian ancestors began to communicate. Consequently, music may have been in existence for at least 50,000 years, with music first being invented in Africa, and then later evolving to become a fundamental constitute of human life. So, basically what this means um, is, in other words, music, in a form much different than what we're used to, has been around a lot longer than most civilizations, and is most likely as old as our earliest population. It is likely that the first instrument was the human voice itself, which can make an array of sounds, you know, varying from singing, humming, whistling, to clicking, coughing, and even yawning, um, of course this is only a theory and it's impossible to prove due to the fact that we have no written records before the 30th century BCE when the Sumerian cuneiform script was discovered. In fact, it would make sense that since they had the first written records of history, the Sumerian civilization would also have the first written records of music, right? Right. So. In the early 1950s, archaeologists honored several clay tablets from the 14th century BCE Um, in the ancient city of Ugarit. These tablets contained cuneiform signs in the Hurrian language, which turned out to be the oldest known piece of music ever discovered, Um, a 3,400-year-old cult hymn. Many of the songs written in this time period consisted of harps, drums, lyres, lutes, and reed pipes. So, socially, ancient civilizations treated music differently than we do now, with uplifting music being played strictly in social settings, whereas religious music was played strictly in religious settings. The ancient music period ended, and early music period, aka medieval music, began around 500 AD. Medieval music was an era of western music, including music used for the church as well as for non-religious purposes. So. Ars Antiqua is a term used by modern scholars to describe the medieval music of Europe during the High Middle Ages between approximately eleven seventy and thirteen ten. Um, this covers a period of polyphony, which is the use of multiple simultaneous melodic lines. Um, this period also saw the early development of the motet, which is a highly varied musical composition. Um, though the term Ars Antiqua is used restrict is usually restricted to sacred or church music. It's sometimes used more loosely to describe all European music of the 13th century, and from slightly before. In music theory, the Ares Antigua period saw several advances over previous practices, um, most of them being in conception and notation of rhythm. In the early medieval music era, notation indicated the pitches of songs without actually indicating the rhythms that these notes should be sung in. Um, What that basically means, for anybody who's lost right now, is When you look at music, each note um, is placed, depending on where it's placed on the staff, indicates what pitch it should be sung in, whereas the actual appearance of the note indicates what um, value the note should be given. So, um, yeah, this was, you know, in this time period, this concept of music... Being able to tell you exactly what pitch and also what rhythm is supposed to be performed at the same time was a really new and cool event. So, um, a German theorist of a slightly later period was the first to describe a system of notation in which differently shaped notes have entirely different rhythmic values. So this is going back and relating to what I was telling you about, you know, the actual appearance of the notes affecting the rhythmic values so um, this innovation had a massive a massive impact on the subsequent history of European music the term Ars antigua is used in opposition to Ars Nova meaning new art which refers to the period of musical activity between approximately 1310 and 1375 um, Ars Nova was a musical style which flourished in France and the Burgundian, yeah, I said that right. <laughs> Low countries in the late Middle Ages. The only thing that really changed in this time period was the death of the composer Guillaume de Macho in 1377, as well as more rhythmic innovation and other minor music periods and styles that popped up and, re- and were referred to as new art. Um, the beginning of the Renaissance in music is not as clearly marked as the beginning of the Renaissance in the other arts, and unlike in- and unlike in the other arts... It didn't begin in Italy, but instead in Northern Europe, specifically what is modern-day northern France, the Netherlands, and Belgium. So, the style of the Burgundian composers was at first a reaction against the complexity and mannered style of late 14th century music, and it contained a clear, singable melody, as well as balanced polyphony in all voices. By the middle of the 15th century, composers and singers from the Low Countries and also adjacent areas began to spread across Europe, especially into Italy, where they were employed by the Papal Chapel and the aristocratic patrons of the arts. They carried their style with them. Principal forms of sacred musical composition at the time were the Mass, the Motet, and the Laud. The invention of printing had an immense influence on the migration of musical styles and contributed heavily to the establishment of the first truly international style in European music. By the middle of the 16th century, the international style began to break down and several highly diverse stylistic trends became evident, such as a trend towards simplicity, um, a trend towards complexity and chromaticism, and also the grand, rich-sounding music of the... Venetian school which created a ton of musical contrasts eventually developing the first orchestra um, which embellished different instrumental parts. Music prior to 1600 was modal rather than tonal whereas modal music uses diatonic scales that are not necessarily major or minor and did not use functional harmony as we understand it within tonality. Several theoretical developments in the late 16th century, however, did lead directly to the development of today's common practice of tonality. Uh, Music after 1600, beginning with the tonal music of the Barracue era, is often referred to as belonging to the common practice period. The Barracue era took place from 1600 to 1750, as the Barracue artistic style flourished across Europe and during this time, music expanded in its range and complexity. Barracue music began when the first operas were written. During the Baroque era, polyphonic contrapuntal music, in which multiple simultaneous independent melody lines were used, remained important. German, Italian, French, Dutch, Polish, Spanish, Portuguese, and English Baroque composers wrote for small ensembles including strings, brass, woodwinds, as well as for choirs and keyboard instruments such as pipe organs, harpsichord, and clavichord. During this period, several major music forms were defined that lasted into later periods when they were expanded and evolved further, including the fugue, the invention, the sonata, and the concerto. The Classical Period was an era of classical music that took place roughly between 1730 and 1820. The music of the Classical Period is characterized by homophonic texture or an obvious melody with accompaniment. These new melodies tended to be almost voice-like and singable. Um, allowing composers to actually replace singers as the focus of the music. Instrumental music therefore quickly replaced opera, however, opera did not disappear. During the classical period, several composers began producing operas for the general public in their native languages. Along with the gradual displacement of the voice in favor of stronger, clearer melodies, counterplay also grew popular, typically used near the end of a work or for a single movement. Simple patterns such as arpeggios, were used to liven, to liven the moment of the piece without creating a confusing or additional voice. The now popular instrument was dominated by several well-defined forms, the sonata, the symphony, and the concerto, though so none of these were specifically defined or taught at the time as they are now in music theory. All three derive from the sonata form, which is both the under, overlying form of an entire work and the structure of a single movement. Sonataform matured during the Classical era to become the primary form of instrumental compositions throughout the 19th century. Wolfgang Mozart was the central figure of the Classical period, and his composition in all genres defines our perception of the Classical period. Leading into the Romantic period, with their expansion of existing genres, Beethoven and Schubert grew popular. Romantic music is a period of Western classical music that began in the late 18th or early 19th century and dominated the Romantic movement in Germany. Is related to Romanticism, which is the Western Autistic movement that rose in the second half of the 18th century. In this period, music became more expressive and dealt with the literary, artistic, and philosophical themes of the time. The late 19th century saw a dramatic expansion in the size of the orchestra and in the dynamic range and diversity of instruments used in this ensemble. Also, public concerts became a key part of urban middle class society in contrast to earlier periods when concerts were mainly paid for and performed by for aristocrats. It's because of this that music has become such a normalized part of human life. I met up with junior music education major Tyler Grubb to talk about the effect music has had on his life. When did you realize you wanted to go into music?
1: Well, when I was in third grade, that's when the instrumental program started in my school. So we can do orchestra, like the string instruments. So we could choose between violin, viola, cello, and bass, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, I didn't think a whole lot about it. Like I just wanted to play an instrument. I wanted to start getting involved. So I thought it was cool, so I started playing bass. And then in fourth grade, um, I started playing trombone for the winds program. And I mean. I enjoyed them. I liked playing them a lot. So I didn't really think about as far as where I wanted to go with them until about high school. When I was a freshman, I started doing marching band. I kind of started to think, like, maybe this is what I want to do for the rest of my life is do music. And then I got away from it because I thought it wasn't practical. I thought it wasn't going to be a good enough idea to keep me sustainable.
0: Yeah, right.
1: But came senior year time me to figure out what I wanted to do and I was like I was involved with I think four or five ensembles at the time I started my uh Buccaneers experience that year as well and I just kind of figured like this is the only thing I really enjoy doing it may as be may as well be what I keep doing
0: so being a music major sort of it's in a little world outside of every other major everything's a little bit different you know you have to spend a lot of time alone <laughs> so, um, you being a music major, would you be willing to share a, a happy or a sad memory with me?
1: Just as a, as a music major?
0: Yeah. Or just being involved in music at all? Any memories that stand out?
1: Yeah, I actually do have one. It's a very, It's a positive memory. Back in my junior year of high school... I was with the marching band, right? Our show that year was Romeo and Juliet Undead. I was too a player. But they added into the drum break that was a huge dance feature, right? Mm-hmm. And we alerted... Everyone was kind of unsure about it, but we performed it for the first time at our home show for the first cavalcade mm-hmm. we had hosted in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, We got to the... Dr- we There wasn't the last part of the show. We got to... No, actually it was, sorry. That day, it happened to be the last thing that we did for the audience, and I can remember everyone just going crazy about it. Like, honestly, the audience, the stance exploded, and we finished, and we ended up, we were supposed to fall on the ground was like die at the end. Yeah. And I just remember being so emotionally moved by, like, how much the group influenced the audience.
0: Yeah.
1: It was really something special.
0: I guess that's sort of the big part about music, you know, it's sort of performing for other people or for yourself, that's sort of, is that what motivates you to be in music or what does motivate you?
1: Performance? What do you enjoy most, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, I enjoy performing a lot, I enjoy, I think most of it's passion, it really is, like I like, as a tuba player, <laughs> It feels really cool, like, especially, like, if you ever play a brass chorale, playing a brass group, or even just the ensemble in just, like, a chord setting. Yeah. Fitting into something so, like, it's a lot bigger than just you and your instrument. You get to be part of a group is a lot of what, ha- what I enjoy most about music, is just fitting in to a bigger picture.
0: So, what lessons, it could be, you know, musically or just sort of about life in general, has this major taught you? Like for me, I know that so far it's taught me a lot of patience and a lot of discipline, a lot of managing of time.
1: As a major, it's a tricky question. I think like I think people debate their majors a lot, but music is especially one that a lot of people come into, and then a lot of them start to immediately question, especially music education. Yeah. Just because everyone comes in, they're like, "Oh, it's gonna be a high school band." When they find out it's so much more involved than that, they all went out. But I think one thing music has taught me is to is that not everything's gonna be prepared.
0: What Do you mean?
1: Like I walk, um, as part of Allentown, we have a lot of prepared pieces. We have a lot of stuff, but in my book, in my folder for the group. There's anywhere from 30 to 60 pieces in it that you can't practice in a week That's a lot of so pieces. a lot of rehearsals are reading pieces either as a group or per you personally just kind of looking at it start reading it and it usually goes pretty well. there's not a whole lot the group has to tweak within so it's still rehearsing but you get a gig you go home practice a little bit farther you still go on you still go in and we have these March books. And they say, all right, pull up National Emblem Boom! it's in front of you. Play it for a concert. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything is going to be prepared. You're not you as a person, you as a professional, whatever you're going to go to, is not always going to have everything prepared. Yeah. But being able to be flexible is something that music has taught me.
0: That's a pretty good one. All right, so for my final question. Um, thinking about future generations of musicians and knowing that they may hear this recording is there any wisdom or advice you'd like to share with them
1: Don't think about the journey think about where you want to go If you want to if you have a goal in mind you have an aspiration but it's very far off if it's something you truly want to do
0: Finally, we've reached our last age of music, the 20th century music. During the 20th century, there is a crazy increase in the variety of music that people had access to. We can thank the invention of the gramophone record and radio broadcasting for this. Sound recording and reproduction had a major influence on the development of popular music because it allowed for easy dispersion of music worldwide. Some of these means of inexpensive reproduction of music includes, but is not limited to, the vinyl, cassettes, and discs, and By the mid-1980s, digital audio recordings and the broadcasting of audio recordings of musical performances was available. This is where my podcast cuts off, and the next podcast on the Jazz Aids begin. Thanks so much for listening, if you happen to make it all this way through, which I doubt you did, but it's okay.